Deuteronomy chapter 8. You want to stand, you may do so. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to begin reading in verse 1. And I'll read down through verse 4. But I want to draw your attention to a particular phrase and a particular subject. Chapter 1 or chapter 8 is in verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. You didn't know what it was, is what he's saying. Your ancestors didn't know what it was. But he did so that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Verse 4, thy raiment wax not old upon thee, and neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Now notice in verse 3, he spoke about how he fed them with manna. Thank you, you may be seated. I want us to look at that statement and what it means and think about a manna education. There was something in the feeding of the manna that God wanted to teach the people and taught the people. Let's pray. Our Father, we come again tonight and we are grateful for all that you have done for us. Thank you for a good day yesterday. Thank you, Lord, for this good number that is gathered here in this place tonight. Thank you for letting us see some of our family again. Thank you for friends, Lord, that we haven't seen in many years that have been such a part of our life in many special ways. Thank you for letting us be together again. Thank you for this pastor. We appreciate his faithfulness. His love for you, his love for the word, and his love for the church and the people you have given him. I don't want, Lord, just to be here and to share a few moments together, but I want you to speak to our hearts. And I want you to move in our hearts. And when we leave tonight, that you would have given us something that will strengthen our lives, that we might better serve you that we might better trust you. Thank you again for all of your goodness now. We submit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was saved at the age of 16 in 1972. 
shortly after I received Christ as my Savior, that was in April of 1972, in July of that year, at the age of 16, I gave my life to the Lord to do whatever He wanted me to do. It was in those days that I realized that God wanted me to preach. At 18, Sherry and I, we just got married. We got married young. She had asked me for months and months and months. And I finally submitted to her. And so we got married young. We went off to Bible school. And I remember the night before we left to go to Bible school, our pastor, he was a very wise man. He's with the Lord now. But he invited us over to his house to have supper. And so after we had ate Brother Richard said, let's take a walk. As I said, he's a very wise man. And we went just a little walk down the road there. And he began to talk to me about different things. He began to tell me, he said, where you're going, everything is going to be totally different. And it was. I grew up on I'll Fly Away. I grew up on Amazing Grace and songs like that. But when I went off to school at Tennessee Temple, it was it was quite different. The music was very formal. The atmosphere was very formal. It was, it was, it was much different than anything I had known in my life. But he said to me, he said, now it's going to be different. The atmosphere is going to be different. The music is going to be different. But just open your heart and let God take, uh, whatever he wants to use in your life to shape you for whatever he is going to do with your life. I look back and I'm so thankful for what he said to me because it allowed me to be open to things that I had never known in my life up to that point. But then he made this statement to me. He said, obviously, you're going to go to school in order to get an education. But he said, God is sending you to school for far more than an education or far more than a degree or anything of that nature. He said, one of these days you're going to stand before people and you're going to tell them that His grace is sufficient. He said, God's going to teach you that His grace is sufficient. One of these days you'll stand before people and tell them that God can supply your every need. He said, God is sending you there to learn that he can supply your every need. I look back in those early days and the things that God taught us and how we had to learn to trust God for to pay the school bill, to pay our utilities and all of those kind of things. And I look back in those early days of what God did in our life and the things that He taught us. And He put principles in our life in those days that shaped my life for the rest of my life. In those days, He laid a foundation for everything that would happen for the years to come. I can say that my life and the direction of my life was shaped and formed in those early years. Deuteronomy talks about the children of Israel being in a wilderness. If I may, you could say that the wilderness was the children of Israel's Bible school. For it was in the wilderness that God would teach them things that would become principles for their whole life. 
You could say that it was in the wilderness that God taught them and helped them to discover the God who had redeemed them. He had just brought them out of Egypt. But in the wilderness, they would learn things about the God who had brought them out. They would learn the kind of God that he was. The wilderness would teach them, as verse 1 said, to observe the word that God gave them. He said, in all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. The wilderness would teach them to be obedient to whatever God had said in his word. It would also teach them not only to observe the word God gave them, but also to remember the way God led them. For in verse 2, he said, Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God hath led thee these 40 years. In the wilderness, he would teach them. They would have many classes that were required. Through the, you see the words, led thee. They would learn about being led, about, led by God. He would humble thee. He would prove them. He would cause them to suffer, and he would feed them. These were all classes that they took in their Bible school that would teach them about God. The course that I want to think about tonight is the one he fed them. You notice in verse 3, he talked about how he fed them with manna. For 40 years, while they were in the wilderness, God would feed them with manna. The word manna simply means, what is it? They had no idea what it was. They had never seen it before. That's why he said in that in verse there that they knew not. He said, he fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. They didn't know what it was. Neither did thy fathers know. They had never seen anything like it. Exodus tells about how the children of Israel saw it and they said one to another, it is manna. Or to put it another way, what is it? For they wist not what it was. Again, they had no idea what it was. Moses called it the bread that God had given them to eat. The Bible describes how the manna fell every morning except on the Sabbath day. The Bible describes how when the manna fell that it covered the ground or covered the camp like dew on the ground. Every morning they would gather the manna. Every morning they would go out and gather the manna they needed. The Bible describes it as being like coriander seed. Coriander was a plant, a tall plant with rounded stalks that would bear white or red seeds. And from that seeds, they would make the bread that they would eat. It says that it was white in color. The Bible describes it as tasting like fresh oil or wafers or cakes that were made with honey. But it was a food that God would use to sustain them for over 40 years. And by feeding them with the manna, God was forcing them to come to an understanding about something that was essential and important in their life. What did he say? Look at it very carefully. He said, he led thee. 
He fed thee. He humbled thee. He proved thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. The experience of being fed with the manna would teach them the value and the virtue of the word of God. And what they would learn in the wilderness was their absolute dependence on what God said in his word. Through everything they went through in the wilderness, they would learn that they could believe God's word and they could trust the word of God. So saying all of that, what did the manna teach them about trusting God's word? Let me give you three simple little things. First of all, it taught them they could trust God completely. The manna taught them they could trust God completely. Look at verse 2. Again, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. He talks about him being in the wilderness. The backdrop to what God would teach them. It was a wilderness. Jeremiah 2 verse 6 gives us a very enlightening description of what the wilderness was like. Jeremiah 2 6 said, speaks of the wilderness there, how God led them through the wilderness. And then described it as a land of deserts and pits. It describes it as a land of drought. It describes the wilderness as a shadow of death. Jeremiah said it was a land that no man passed through. This was an area that nobody dare adventure because it was a place of desert and pits and drought. No man passed through. And Jeremiah added, it is a place where no man dwelt. Jeremiah helps us to understand that the wilderness was, for one thing, a place of desolation. Now, understand, there was no Walmarts in the desert. There was no Piggly Wigglies in the desert. I'm dating myself with a Piggly Wiggly store. But there were no corner markets. I mean, it was a place of absolute desolation. Where we live, our closest Walmart is 65 miles away. Someone visited here not too long ago and they got out of the car and said, there ain't nothing around here. And I said, no, there's not. And, uh, but out in the wilderness, there was no Walmart 65 miles near to them. It was a place of desolation. There wasn't anything out there. And furthermore, it was a place of isolation. FedEx couldn't even get to where they were. Amazon Prime couldn't even deliver to where they were. I mean, they were absolutely in a place where there was nothing. There were no resources. There was no place to go to or turn to for their needs to be met. It was a place of desolation. It was a place of of, of isolation. They had nothing. But here's the amazing thing about it. Out there in a place of desolation and isolation, they had everything they needed. Here's a two million men and women and children. 
in a place of isolation and desolation. They had nothing, but they never went without. He said in verse 3 that he fed them with manna. Every morning when they got up, there was manna on the ground. They didn't need a grocery store. There was nothing. But yet every morning, God fed them with manna. Verse 4 tells how their clothing never wore out. You ladies, you go to a closet full of nothing and you wonder what you're going to wear. And how would you like to have a dress that you would wear for 40 years? Or the same pair of shoes for 40 years? I mean, their clothing never wore out. Their clothing never got old. They had absolutely nothing, but they had everything they needed. You see, you may be here tonight, and you may be without options. And you may be without answers. And you may be without solutions. And you may be without resources. But you are not without a God. And the children of Israel out there in a wilderness, they learn one thing. They could trust God completely that He would take care of them. I want to remind you tonight that God is able to take care of you. We worry, we fret, we chew our fingernails down the quick, we wonder what we're going to do, and we worry about this and that, but we must remember that God is going to take care of His people. And you can trust God completely. I think about when we moved to the reservation. We knew nobody. We pulled in there on May the 17th in 2012. We got there about 1.30 in the afternoon. The very next day, I went by the tribal office, introduced myself to the tribal president and different ones there, told them who I was, what I was, my plans were, my goals were, and we immediately began looking for a building. There's not a whole lot to find on the reservation, but we found an old building out by Gordon Junction. And everybody, they refer to us as the Baptist church out at Gordon Junction. That's how they know us. It's Pine Ridge Baptist. But everybody says, you're the Baptist church out at Gordon Junction. That's how they all know us. We found an old building that had been abandoned for several years. It was terrible. I mean, horses had stayed in it. Cattle had stayed in it. It didn't have doors. It didn't have windows. But it was the only thing we could find. And so we rented that old building and started having services. First Sunday there, we had seven. We put out those little folding chairs. You can fold them up and put them down in bags. And we put out seven of those. And we started. And God began to bless and we began bringing them in. We were bringing them in in our cars. Sherry, her little car was packed full. I was bringing them in the truck. Somebody, a few months later, got us a van. We started filling the van up. Church in Illinois gave us a bus. We started running the van and the bus and filling the bus and bringing them in. And they started coming from all over the reservation. But I look back in those early years. Someone said, how much did you have when you came out there? Very, very little. Not anything what we needed. But we had a God we knew had called us to go there. I could spend the rest of the night telling you how God 
has proven that if we will just take him at his word, that you, he will meet our every need. And we have learned out there that you can trust God completely. That you never have to doubt God. You never have to fear Him. I remember when we started looking for property. Not a lot of uh, available property there. The southeast corner of the reservation where we are, there is several ranchers and farms around us that are owned by white ranchers and, and white farmers. But we began looking for our own property. We wanted to build our own building. Been in that other place about two years, something like that. And we began looking for our own land. And I went to every rancher. When I first got there, I went to all the ranchers and farmers and introduced myself and told them who we were and what we were there for. I went to see them all. I said, we are interested in getting our own land. Would you have five acres or ten acres you'd be interested in selling? And they were all very kind, but they're very land greedy. And they said, no, we don't have anything. In fact, we're looking for more ourselves. But I, I looked and I visited everybody you could think of. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had just about given up hope that we would be able to find land. I had doubled the offer. I had made offers on pieces of land that was uh, twice what the value of the property was, three times what the value of the property was, just trying to... Get someone to sell us something. But I had just about given up on finding our own land. To be honest, I was very discouraged about it. But I was up in the basin area, about seven miles from where we were located. I stopped by a rancher's house. He's in all these show uh, cattle and all that kind of stuff. And he was out there. He was washing a big old heifer up that particular day. They were spraying him down and calming him and all that kind of stuff. And I, I pulled in there and, and I introduced myself, told him who I was. I'm preacher of the Baptist church down at Gordon Junction. And I said, we're looking for our own land. We're looking for maybe five or ten acres. Would you have any that you'd be interested in selling or do you even know of any that's available? And he said to me, no, I don't have any to sell. And then he said, I'll tell you what. He said, I've got a little piece over my wounded knee. And he said, he said, that's where we used to have our branding corrals at. He said, go over and look at it. He said, if you're interested in it, come back and, and we'll talk about it. I said, well, how much is over there? He said, I really don't know. He said, it may not even be anything that you're interested in. But go look at it. And, and if you think it's something that you might be interested in, come back and, and we'll go from there. Well, I took off and cut through the back roads heading over to the Wounded Knee. I passed a couple of family that I had met when I first come there, uh, the Allers, uh, Zalamkis, their German descent. And I had met them when I first went there, but I, I never even thought about them. And I'd really, if I, their name, I'd pass their place, and, and I think they certainly, because everybody else wouldn't sell, I thought, surely they won't sell. But, but that particular day, I was heading down this dirt road, and uh, just running, we we run 65 on dirt roads out there, and just let it go. And fell. I was with him one day, and I was running about 65, and and I hit a bump and started fish selling, and I finally caught it up. And he's, I looked over, he's 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 from over here in Sevierville. He's hanging on to the door, and I said, "What's the matter?" I said, "We got 5,000 acres out here to turn it in." And uh, but anyway, I was running down the road, and the spirit of God, all of a sudden. I heard him very clearly. Go see Ray and Barb. 
And honestly, there have been a few times in my life, I hear people all the time saying God spoke to me. But if he ever speaks to you, there is no question that he is speaking. And that particular day, he said, go see Ray and Barb. I actually stopped and backed up. And I pulled down the driveway and went over there. Ray was out in the yard. And I got out and I said, Ray, do you remember me? He said, you're the preacher down there at the junction. I said, I am. And I said, Ray, we're looking uh, for some land to buy. And he's, I said, uh, five, ten acres. I said, do you have any or know of any that's for sale? And he said, well, it's not mine. He said, it's Barbara's. He said, her husband died. We married. And it, it all belongs to her. But go in there and talk to her. She might sell you something. And I went in and there's Barb. And I walked, told her the same story again. Saturday afternoon. And she said, well, I've got ten acres that I might let you have. But let me talk to Ray about it. So we have to have access to the other land that we have there. I said, I'll, I'll give you right away whatever we need to do. She said, well, let me, let me talk to Ray about it and think about it, and I'll call you back. I left thinking, I'll never hear from them. Went over to Wounded Knee to look at that little piece that he had, and it was just a little piece sitting upon a ridge, and I knew we'd not be able to do anything on it. So I came back to the house, and again, I thought, we'll never find our own land. But two hour, about two hours later, my phone rung, and it was Barbara. And she said, I believe I'll let you have that in acres. And I said to her, you are an answer to prayer. And this is what she said. Well, I'm glad I'm an answer to somebody's prayer. I said, well, you are. And uh, then she said to me, would you want that other 40 acres? And I'm thinking, I knew what land sold for out there, the ranch land, the prairie land. At the bottom price, you maybe get it for $800 an acre. At the top, maybe you could get it for $1,000. I had a church in North Carolina had sent me a gift of $10,000. And I had put that $10,000 up to buy land with. So I'd been hanging on that $10,000 for months and months and months. Barbara said, would you want that other 40 acres? I'm thinking 50 acres at $1,000 an acre, that's $50,000. I thought, there's no way in the world. And I said to her, I said, I, I really know. I said, I don't know what it would do, the 40 acres. But I said, I do want that 10 acres. She said, well, you can have it. And I said, well, praise God for it. Winning talk money. And I finally said to her, I said, well, what do you want for it? She said, oh, I don't know, uh, two, $300 an acre. And I, she said, does that sound fair? I said, it does. It really does. <laughs> I knew what it was sold for. I said, I, I, that sounds fair. I, I'll, I'll accept that. And so I got off the phone and I got to thinking. If she wanted $200 an acre for it, 50 acres, that's $10,000. If she wanted $300 an acre for it, that's 15000 I thought, I'll call Alan Williams and get that other $5,000. I'll get it. So I got back on the phone and I called her back. I said, you know what, Barb? I believe I'll take that other 40 acres. And I said, that'll give us 50 acres. She said, really? She said, really, between the two, there's about 51.4 acres. But I'll tell you what, if you'll take it all, I'll let you have it for $10,000. I said, I'll be over there in just a minute to pay for it. Amen. Now, listen, don't tell me 
that God cannot take care of you. We've had people drive by, ride down the road, and then later we get a, a letter from them say, we drove by your place. And God, we got home and God said, you remember that church that you saw on the reservation? Send them a check. We've had mail checks come in and money come in from places. We never expected it. And God has met every need through the years. If we ever had a need come up, we'd simply get on our knees and say, God, this is what we need. And it would amaze us in the days to come how God would send every penny in. What I'm saying to you is this. You can trust God completely. You never have to doubt God. They learned in the wilderness there. In fact, the Bible said he led them. He took them into the wilderness. Why Why would God lead them into such a desolate place? He led them there so they would learn that they could trust him completely. And sometimes God leads us into situations that we can learn to trust God. And he brings us into desolate places and isolated places so that we can learn to trust God. You can trust God completely. But not only that, it taught them that they not only could trust God completely, but they could trust God continually. You look at Exodus 16. You don't have to turn there. But the Bible talks about the requirements for gathering the manna. They would go out and gather, the Bible said, a certain rate every day. They just didn't get a big old pan and go out there and gather up as much as they wanted to. Exodus tells us they would gather an omer. And I've read different definitions of what an omer is, but it's about three and a half quarts, about six pints, some would say. So they would go out and they would gather up about three and a half quarts of manna every day. And the Bible tells us that they were to use it that day. In fact, the words of the Bible is, let no man leave of it till the morning. For the manna had a very short shelf life. It wouldn't last till the morning. In fact, the children of Israel, the Bible tells the story how some of them left it until morning. And when they got up the next morning, it bred worms and it stank. So they had to learn that every day they would gather the money. Now you think about it. Every night for 40 years, when the children of Israel went to bed, they had nothing. The cupboard was bare. Every day for 40 years, they went to bed with absolutely nothing. But the next morning when they got up, they had what they needed. As old Matthew Henry said, let them learn to go to bed and sleep quietly. Though they have not a bit of bread in the tent, nor in all the camp, trusting that God with the following day would bring them their daily bread. Every day they would get up with what they need. They'd go to sleep with nothing, but get up the next day with everything they need. For 40 years, they learned that they could not, not only could they trust God completely, but they could trust God continually. 
You can trust God every day of your life. These years that have gone by, we look back. And of course, our age is catching up with us. And, and we know somewhere down the road, we'll have to make adjustments in our life. But I can promise you one thing. I can look back. I don't have one complaint. I can say to you, not one promise of our God has ever failed. When we didn't know where and we did not know when, we knew this. Somewhere God was going to meet our needs. Why? Because you not only can trust God completely, you can trust God continually. They also learned they could trust God confidently. Not only completely, not only continually, but they could trust God with absolute assurance and confidence. I think about what Joshua said. Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you all are come to pass and not one thing hath failed thereof 40 years think about it 40 years every day of their life god met their needs you know what they learned they could trust god they didn't have to doubt they didn't have to worry they had a god that was more than capable and take care of them and with absolute confidence i'm sure the first few weeks when they went to bed they thought, will we have food in the morning? But I'll promise you, after a few months had passed, they never thought about it again. Because they knew their God was faithful. And they'd go to bed tonight, they wouldn't be anything to eat the next day. But every, they knew when we get up, it'll be out there. And God fed them 40 years. Can I say to you tonight, we live in a world, there's been a lot, and fear is pushed by many things in our day and time to unsettle us. But our God is not changed one iota from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this much I know, whether you live in Knoxville, Tennessee, or on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, you can trust your God. You can trust Him to take care of you. You can trust Him every day of your life. And as long as God lets you live, He will not let you down. And you can depend on Him with absolute confidence. Can I get an amen? They learn they could trust God. What is it that you need to trust God about tonight? You've been worried about this. You've been worried about that. What do you need to trust God with? That God will meet your needs. God will take care of things. You have been a part. I remember we was praying for a tractor. First tractor we ever had a little Kubota. And Toby, your pastor, called. Somehow he heard about it. He said, we're going to buy that tractor for you. And uh, Sherry rode the wheels off of that thing. Amen. <laughs> She pushed snow and blowed snow for months on that thing. But God, take care of you. Trust God. Have faith in God. Don't doubt God. You don't have no reason to ever doubt God. I think about if anything we have learned is that we never worry about where it will come from. 
And Sherry, she knows we're, I'm being honest. We don't worry about if it will come in. We begin to wonder where will it come in. And amazed at how God will do it. That's our God. You can trust God. Let's stand to our feet. Some of you need to trust God tonight. You've been worried about this and fearful of this. You can trust God completely. You can trust him with your life. You can trust him with everything. You can trust him continually. And you can trust him confidently that God will keep his word. He taught them, fed them that they may learn that man does not live by bread only but by the word of God. This is one thing I believe in. This Bible is absolutely true. I do not doubt it from from cover to cover. Every promise that God ever made is true. You can believe them. You can trust them. Because God is a God that keeps his word. Our Father tonight in Jesus' name, help us tonight. To learn to trust you. That you are our father. Just as you taught your people in the wilderness. Help us to learn tonight that we can trust you with anything in our life. That we can trust you with absolute assurance. We can trust you completely. We can trust you with everything. We can trust you with anything. Help us to learn to trust you with whatever is going on in our lives. Thank you for these dear folk. Help them tonight. Strengthen their faith. May they look to you for the one that has been worried, for the one that has been concerned, the one that has been fretful, not knowing what to do, what they were going to do. May they be mindful tonight that they have a God in heaven that it will take care of them. Speak to hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen.